Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello, everybody, to the Blood and Mud podcast. The podcast that starts like Leinster, but finishes well like Leinster. (laughs) (laughs) More on that later. As you know, I'm here. You should all know me. Hello, hello, hello. And over there is not Josh, because he's not here. Josh is currently in Disneyland Paris, having a a wonderful time, no doubt. All right for some. Poor, core. Poor, eh? Leaving other people to do the heavy lifting while you swan <laughs> off to not quite being in Paris. But uh, it's such hard work, this. Four. Four, yeah. Sat here chatting about a sport we all kind of like most of the time. We, we continue to put up with somehow for some reason. <laughs> ah, yes, indeed. But that's so, as you can see, if you're on the live stream, hello. Mm. And if you're not, you can hear. Um, you can both see and hear on the live stream, I imagine, unless you've got the sound off and captions. Either way, Robbie's here. Who, Hello. You know, more commonly known to the wider world as Squidge Rugby. Thank you for having me. It's a delight to be back. It's a yes, delight to be here, as always. Thank you very much for agreeing to it. I mean, yes. I'm running out of people to call on now, I'll be honest. Josh is away so fucking often that I'm basically, you know, basically going to be knocking Peter next door, see if, he'd want to <laughs> see if he wants to come around. But no, yeah. thank you very much. I've completely lost track of everything I was going to say, which is a sign of why I'm last on the list. Yeah, I did want to say that. That sounds like a terrible thing to say. It's not that. I have asked you a number of times before, but this scheduling clashes has meant that this is uh, the first day. Yeah, I've said that. I'm normally always free on a Monday or Tuesday, and yet every weekend you've asked me, I seem to have the same schedule as Josh. I don't There's some sort of like... They book you haven't up even Ospreys got the good grace on... to leave the country, though, Robbie, to pretend. No, you know. I ha- I mean, I haven't done that in probably since I got back from Japan. Actually, I haven't left the country since I got back from Japan in wow. 2019. Is that so... because you don't particularly like leaving the country and going on holidays and things? Or well, there was a pandemic, busy? I think, um, well, and pandemic, then yes. I sort of just stopped. 
And I think I've had it in my head of like, oh, I'm going to France for the World Cup in 2023. So I'll just look forward to that instead of actually doing anything else. And I'll just sit on my hands in Nottingham, which is always a good plan. And I'd recommend it highly to anyone else. Ah, Nottingham. Or Nottingham, as people from there Nottingham. say. Don't. Nottingham, yeah. Which is it. So, yeah, so you're here. So I can see you're in your office. Mm. You, you post it up as you often are when when you're here. So is is what have you got in the works? Obviously, um, the six stations is over, but we're in the crunch, yeah. the vinegar strokes of the season, if you will. Have you got stuff planned for for that? It's mostly this. I mean, so on the wall behind me, you might be able to see if you're watching the live stream uh, a list of who I've pulled out as Romania's best players ahead of the World Cup. As well as a little drawing wow. of Michael Dupont and Roman Lundemack that I did. I was going to say there's um, a couple of faces that can't make out, but yeah. Yeah, no, they're on that side. There they are. Um, uh, yeah, I've been running for a preview on every team in the World Cup. Um, Good Lord. Which, yeah, when I did That's that four not years ago. It's a small amount of work, is it? It's really not. Four I'm years ago, I was it. making like well, you know, five or seven. That. Yeah. Like four years ago, there were like five or seven minute videos of just like a little rundown of like who the teams are. Now, because I've gone mad in the last four years, <laughs> there was a pandemic. Um, I've, they're all like half hour deep dives into what they've become. So I spent a very long time researching the Uruguay one, which eventually went out a few weeks ago. Uh, the Romania one, I've, I'm finished writing. I'm currently working through. I started on Portugal today. Um, Bloody, they're all happening. And tell you what, it's exhausting. There's a lot to be getting on with. It's a lot of work when you go to that level of granularity, as as certain people say, on on difficult things. I'm um, I've mentioned on this podcast before another podcast I'm listening to, which is 500 mm. a history of rock music in 500 songs, done by a lad from Manchester. Mm. Who, um, who a bit like yourself, it would seem, now supports himself via Patreon mm. and Brilliant. everything else, which I'm really happy for because it means he can do this unbelievably detailed podcast about 500 songs. So like, I'm up to like episode 180, no, 100 and something, mid-hundreds, and we're still only at 1966. Wow, okay. And he starts in the 50s. The point I'm making is is that he's like now, he does like three-hour episodes about one song and gets in. Wow. Gets into explaining to you how literally the chord structure isn't the same as you'd expect and how there's different... He's like, literally, it's really, really deep stuff, which I'm all over, by the way. Oh, absolutely. But I often yeah. think of, of it's brilliant that we live in a world where there are ways in which people like him and people like yourself and many others can... can um, who give so much fucking time to producing something so so well researched because let's be honest mm. we just turn up every week and have a chat you know i'm not going to pretend we do a bit of work but it's not like that um and it's the fact you can make a living doing mm. it is incredible because you couldn't possibly do it and work a job could you i mean no. you tried that and yeah it wasn't, and it was advisable i had even more breakdowns than i do nowadays i was even <laughs> more burnt out somehow yeah. it's yeah i mean it's a truly in many ways a curse but also a great oh, gift yes. it's but it's like i would be and i'm sure the same the guy would be the same just rambling that in a pub in a corner at someone you know i would still be <laughs> if i wasn't doing this looking up going through Romani's old games finding yeah. working out who their best player is, and going you know the number eight's really useful actually yeah real turn of pace on it 
surprising. You know, the other thing that was interesting about the second week in March 1986 for Iranian rugby is... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I go that far, though. I do a lot on the 80s. Yeah, I love it. I fucking it's love it. The bloody... The stuff, like, I wrote where I was like, this is great stuff on Romania in the 50s, but I'm going to really struggle finding footage. So maybe I should cut this. Maybe I should trim this right down because it's going to be a difficulty when I come to edit the video. Which is why the podcast form is perfect for doing three-hour explanations on songs. Maybe that's where I go next. Yes. Well, the other thing that's great, Andrew Hickey, the guy who does the 500 songs, mm-hmm. he's great. He's a lovely bloke. And he's, um, he's, uh, he's mega woke, if you're going to use okay. that term. Right? If, so he's, he's brilliant on how black people were treated appallingly and women were treated appallingly in the 60s and the, and the narratives about how women are per, per, perceived in music and how it's all bollocks it was all written by men of a certain age in the 70s and it should all be ignored he's really good and he and before episodes where like you know we talk everyone knows about like tina turner and, and i can tina and i beat him up and all that beat her up mm. and he, he does trigger warnings before he starts episodes because he has a transcript like yourself and he says if, it, if that's gonna be a problem for you then maybe read the transcript don't listen to the episode and i've listened to them all quite quickly and now he's up to episode 100 and he's there's a trigger warning now and he's just He's got, he just used to do the trigger warnings and things. And now he just basically is obviously reacting to what he's getting from certain rock music fans. And right. he's saying, if anybody's offended by the fact that I'm trying not to re traumatize people and accuse me of being woke, etc., <laughs> he said, then I, I you know, advise for you not to listen to this episode and not to bother with all the rest of them either. Thank you very much. <laughs> ah, nice. And he's like, yes, Andrew, I love it. Yeah, so it's good stuff. I like yeah. it. It's like at the start of. Like when you load something up on Disney Plus from the twenties, yeah. and yeah. it comes up saying, "This is horrible." Now it gets super racist around the eight minutes. Yeah. Be very careful. I'm rewatching Mad Men, and there's a bit where Roger oh, yeah. Sterling sings in blackface to his new wife. Oh boy! And it, there's a warning before that. I'd forgotten about that to be honest. But there's a warning before that to say we've left it in because people were constant, and it's probably best that you know that. But but it's best that you know before we start. Anyway, where were we before mm. we started on this? Hello, I'm Lee. You know that. And over there, I've already introduced you, haven't I? Hello. I'm still Robbie or Squidge or whatever you want to call me. So we're going to talk about a weekend's rugby. What else? Mm. Anything apart from making incredibly detailed videos about Romania? <laughs> how much Ceausescu is there in it? Oh, I mean, it it sits in the background. You know, there's a there's like an awful lot. <laughs> yes. <bathroom. laughs> Behind a shower curtain somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the amount of, like, revolutions you have to mention in one line when talking about the history of Romanian sport. It's a real real difficult one to cram into 18 minutes. But there we go. Um, What have you been up to? Oh, I mean, so I... It's a funny weekend to have got me on because back last September, I designated this as my one weekend seemingly ever of not watching any live rugby when I noticed both the New Zelda game and Eurovision were in the same weekend. Yes. And I went, I am doing nothing else. I am not watching any rugby. Uh, So I've had to cram it in today and watch things back. But tell you what, what a weekend that was. Both (laughs) semifinals. I managed to somehow play like 25 hours of Zelda in between. Then Eurovision. The whole way through, I mean, what a what a, what a way to sit in your pants for three days. It's amazing, isn't it? Mm. You should have you should have worn a kind of one of them, just a, a shirt that's just sleeves like the Finnish fella. Yes. To get into the swing of it. 
I mean, you don't. That's what I'm planning to wear tomorrow. I was very much inspired. Exactly, yeah, I'm loving the fact that he wasn't. He didn't. He didn't bother with toning up. He had a one pack. Yeah. Didn't he? And which it's is the thought, future. Fucking go for it, mate. Yeah, sick of all this shit. And then I could talk to up by the jury system. Fuck off. Yeah, I mean, it's a. So they could get it in Stockholm next year for the 50th anniversary of ABBA winning in 74. Because I'm um, a tragic loser type, I heard that once, the Lorene's in the semi-final. I was like, oh, that's one. You kind of, I think now I've got pretty good at spotting the kind of a successful epic pop ballad. And it's just, it's going to walk it, especially with a former winner. And so you kind of wrote everything off as like second place is the competition now. Um, good year, good Eurovision. I thought, yeah, plenty of stuff to laugh at. Yeah, plenty of stuff to be mystified by, and some good song. Belgium was my favourite. Blind, mm. like mm. a George Michael song. Yeah, with the hat, with the Just hat. Yeah, real highlight. The three backing singers. That was a bonus for me. Yeah, the Austria. The uh, I vote. I tried to vote for. Oh, they wouldn't no, let me through. Yeah, po po po. Bizarre. And yet saying something, which is what I want from art. Dwarf flute player from Moldova. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which I'm pretty sure is also from the national rugby team from the research I did. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's just the wingers. Anna S says, I firmly believe you shouldn't be able to enter Eurovision again if you win. As in the entire country, Anna, or just the person. <laughs> well, that'd be great. You'd just be left. Who'd you be left with? Who's never won it? Uh, loads of the new ones haven't they yeah that'll be it it'll be Malta versus Latvia versus probably the UK if we've got a statute of limitations on that if you re-qualify after 30 years <laughs> yeah we did UK didn't do well did they it was a bit boring that song I thought I thought chorus a... wasn't big enough mm. but it it was one of those where by the time I'd heard it for a 6th or 7th time I was like this is alright but you only hear things once before voting. So it and didn't really stand a chance. Not a great singer. Mm. No big note that she could hit or anything to stick in the memory. And not catchy enough. I saw her described as having the energy of the girl in the office who is drinking a lemon vodka by 4.15 on a Friday. And yeah, that was exactly it. <laughs> and I felt that was the right energy to bring to a Liverpool Eurovision. Well, my wife might didn't pay off. My my wife and her sister, Sean. Um, Sean is a Eurovision super, super, super duper uh, fan. Uh, they went to one of the. They actually went on the yeah. Tuesday to the, to oh, the um, rehearsal on the Tuesday afternoon for the first semi. So they'd seen Norway and a few people mm. like that. It was yeah, it was great. And then Sean was here Saturday, so we sat and watched that together, and it was very good. Mm. Very good, enjoyed it. Long though, isn't it? It is. It is. But that's part of the. The sheer drama and tension and overrunning of the results is something I genuinely like. It was something uh, Johnny McGinty pulled me up on last year when I described last year's Eurovision as a proper test match, which is maybe <laughs> the most me thing I've ever done. <laughs> but it's, uh, and, and Hannah Waddingham is always a delight. Yes. Whether in Ted Lasso or on the television in any way. So, All for her kind of discovering her fun second career. Isn't it great? Isn't it? Yeah. I'm assuming like, she was just doing a bit of musical theatre and stuff before, and the old yeah. Game of Thrones nun. She then, was... Um... Sorry. No, sorry, go on. No, she was just kind of a yeah, West End actress, 
a theatre actress and then got Ted Lasso, this kind of... Which at the time I don't think was seen as quite the big deal it's gone on to become when no. she initially booked it and then has blown her up. And now she's doing Eurovision, which is the greatest accolade any actress can ever hope for. Yes, and uh, I remember Jodie Whittaker, who played Doctor mm. Who, saying that she how mad it was to be Doctor Who because you're on a cake and everybody <laughs> knows who you are and you're like the most famous, one of the most famous people in the world, aren't you? Let's be honest. Mm. And she and she the compared it. She said, um, "I always knew I wanted to be a successful actor, but I never actually wanted to be famous because those two things are very mm. different. Plenty mm. of people are very successful actors and make a living, and nobody has a clue where they are. They just, you know, they're in the RSC or they're yeah, in the touring yeah. and do quite well, thank you very much. But yeah, it's a and a bit like Hannah Waddington. People kind of knew who she was, didn't they? And then all of a sudden, you've got she seems to be loving being famous, though. It must be said she's <laughs> she's embracing it in every possible way. She's finding so. the perks. Yeah, so that was this weekend, and my son was twenty-one this weekend. Oh, happy birthday to old that twenty-one thing that's still a thing, even though it's not a thing for anything. If you know what I mean, anymore. No. Because it used to be like voting and sex and oh, of course, all sorts, didn't it? And now it's now, but it's just now, still a big deal. It's symbolism, isn't it? Yeah, you just kind of go, oh, well done, you made it. We went to Hawksmoor in Manchester, which is a kind of mm. steak place. There's lots of them in London and stuff. And a lovely, lovely bar fella at a cocktail bar, very chatty, very lovely. Unfortunately, it tipped over into mithering. Oh no! So I mean, it's a bit like, all right, yeah, I'm yeah. Anymore now, as nice as you are. And the waiter lady was very nice. She was very nice as well. However, she kept repeatedly describing things as amazing that clearly weren't. You know, but it's like, like, yeah, it's an exhausting job, isn't it? You probably run out of vocabulary. I kind of got a point them. where you're like. I'm just going to call it amazing and get through to 11 p.m. when I can put yes. my feet up. Any more sides for you? No, I think that's it. Amazing. <laughs> then again, I think she, maybe she was just being sarcastic the whole time. I didn't, didn't <laughs> just realise. Uh, yeah, but she was very nice. She was very nice. And it was nice to have, you know, adult children. And obviously mm. did buy him anything, just gave him money and then sent him off into the night. And oh. <laughs> he again later. That's and he came back. Happened. Well, I'm assuming he came back to where he lives in Manchester. I got home by then to watch Eurovision. I'm assuming he had a very good night. That's but, a uh, great decision. Yes, indeed. If he watched Eurovision, I'm sure he did. <laughs> oh, yeah, he was in. He was in for the just the results, though. <laughs> Last night at half ten, walked home for the results. So there you go. So that's my weekend, and that's your weekend, and that's everybody's mm. weekend. Hello, everybody, and welcome along. If you want to get in touch with me, I'm Lee at bloodandmud.com on the E either, or you can get me at bloodandmud on twitter um it's my 14th uh birthday on twitter today it says oh, here i'm really sorry yeah indeed to be honest it's a bit like um like my actual 14th year now is what twitter's like mm. my actual 14th year on the planet in that i'm getting less attention from attractive people and popular people <laughs> and um and i i think i'm increasingly holding views that are different to those peers that are sort of within my immediate realm <laughs> it's very much my 14th year on this earth really what were those views then well i started to become i started to become extremely left wing mm. and into uh music that wasn't early 90s dance pop so 
so I, I became even more ostracized from from the people around me you know I always got on with people, but it was, yeah, mm. it was, I, I found my, but I did that. I was one of those kind of kids that at 14, I kind of went, right, I'm not wearing sportswear anymore. I'm wearing DMs and I'm growing my hair. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was one yeah. of them. Oh, I know well, I know well. That, that's one... kind of what I, what I got to. And I said, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm going even harder into Iron Maiden. Mm. That type of thing. The moment I discovered blazers was revolutionary as a teenager. <laughs> When were you a teenager then? I know you're a lot oh, younger God. Than me, aren't you? Not that long ago. No, it was a long time ago. I'm old now. I'm not old, but um, so I'm 27 now. So 10-ish years ago, 12 years ago. Right, so late 2000s. So, yeah. Right. And the world was quite cruel then. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was the early stages of social media and the internet, so there was a lot of cruelty about, wasn't there? There was yeah. cruelty about when I was in school, but it was mostly analog cruelty, which you could escape. <laughs> I loved their first album, Analog Cruelty. <laughs> <laughs> the, one of the bands I was into when I was 14, funnily enough. No, like I the Rebecca Black era, as I always think of it. Ah. Which yes. yeah. Just that wouldn't ever happen now nowadays, and it couldn't have happened before that. There was a really specific period of like three years where you could have bullied someone on that scale. And it would just would have been fine. Everyone would have been on board with it. Yeah. Very odd period when you look back the, on it. The circle of shame and all that. Yeah. I have, to, I have to confess, I started the Blood and Mud blog in 2007. Mm. And, I mean, I, was, I wasn't I was young. You know, I was in my late 20s then. But I kind of got swept along with the being a bit so snarky it's becoming cruel. Yeah, yeah. It's only looking back now that I kind of go, oh, you know, you didn't really need to be that horrible. I mean, I still, I absolutely should have been that horrible to ask, or I stand by that. But I, I, <laughs> lots of other people, I thought that's a bit cruel. But that's it. Like, I grew up on a lot of that, I think. And you grow up thinking that's what's funny. And I know there's a lot of, like, both yes. the early Squid Rugby stuff, early, you know, other stuff I've written, early stand-up I did and so on. I'm like, actually, that was, that was over a line that I'd never cross nowadays. You kind of... Part of it is growing up, and part of it is, as you say, like the world, I think, is a different place. Oh. So that started off with contacts, didn't it? Anyway, yes. I'm at Blood and Mud on Twitter. <laughs> what about, as if people don't know, how do people find you? Uh, is that Squid Rugby or whatever? Uh, just just look at, um, at uh, S Jones 10. Um, <laughs> if, you wanna, <laughs> if you may find you're blocked, I'm being very selective now as I head on Twitter. <laughs> More on him later, by the way. <laughs> but, uh, so you go, we're on the Sports Social Network. We're on Apple. We're on wherever you can find podcasts, really. But most importantly, I guess, we are on patreon.com slash stand up where you are before you go too far, before you make a fool out of love. Slash don't jump, jump before you look, get hung up on a hook before you make a fool out of love. <sighs> Can't get that high. But, uh, so there <laughs> like you go. Blood <laughs> and then I wrote a song, yeah. So, <laughs> Blood and Mud, patreon.com slash Blood and Mud. We can come along and get some extra stuff for £2 a month or £20 for the year and get access to the Facebook group and episodes and things. Or you can pay £5 a month or £50 for the whole year and get a player bio done. And we have had one this week for the first yes! time in ages. Thank you to David Power, first of all, for going from £20 a month to £50 so for the year. So, good. One, you pay for the year. Good, man. Two, thank you anyway. 
So David Power, David Power had four caps for Ireland in the late 90, in the 1990s as a fly half. He was the flamboyant choice when they fancied going a different way to Eric Elwood, which they mostly did not. <laughs> he retired at 28, pissed off with the whole thing. He now owns 12 Airbnb houses in Clonakilty, despite living in Dunstable, and it causes much ill feeling. This is the thing about doing that World Cup podcast, is... I end up looking up players like this all the time, and I can't tell you how spot on that is. <laughs> David, <laughs> David Power, former fly half, four caps, happened to tag along to a World Cup where he played once against Zimbabwe. Yeah, ends up running Airbnb's immovable beast. Of a yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I look. I can't tell you how absolutely nailed on that is. <laughs> These so anyway, players are so plentiful. Anyway, David, I've got the 90s in the Irish rugby man. See, a lot of, you know, I think there's too much made. There's a lot made in the wider media, isn't there, about how terrible the 90s was in Wales, mm. which it was. Mm. But Ireland was an absolute bin fire at that time. I think people just didn't. They weren't angry about it because they didn't have the memory of the 70s. Yes, I suppose. Yeah, it was yeah, they it weren't... 20 years since they were good. <laughs> and they didn't have good players that had gone to rugby league. They just didn't have good players. <laughs> yes, it was just a, a, a hot mess, the whole thing, <laughs> for, no, for no obvious reason. But yes, what what times? What time? That, that, was it Gatlin was the late 90s, wasn't he? Yeah, he was probably at like 99-ish he came in, I reckon. He was responsible. He was in charge in that absolute bloodbath against South Africa, wasn't he? When was he? Yeah. Oh, we did that on You Dirty Get one week. It's inc- If you want to look it up on... Mm. I can't remember where it was. Look it up on YouTube. Just basic that game where Ireland and South Africa knock fuck out of each other. That'll give you a Google result. That sounds great. That sounds like yeah. a good afternoon's work. It's basically just pure violence of about 60 minutes in. Particularly, I think in the end, they've been near each other all game and Paddy John's the... Irish second row and the mm. African number eight who was was it Tykeman then or somebody else? Anyway, they they really went for it. It is like proper yes. proper probably the last knock ins of that kind of behaviour. Mm. Really. Where you'd actually see it in, in all its uh, glory, if that's the right word. Which I uh, think it, it is. is. I yes. think it is. <laughs> so thank you very much, David. Um and you know, more about Ireland in the 90s is available. The Battle of Pretoria, Sam Marsh says, yes, thank you very much. I'd forgotten where it was. I kept thinking Blumfontein. I knew it was wrong. Shall we begin as we always begin, Robbie, with a player spotted? Let's, please. James Reese DMs on the aforementioned Twitter platform. Mm-hmm. It's dreadful on there, isn't it now? Oh, he it's really it right. I mean, it's, you know, it's always been difficult in some ways, but it's particularly <laughs> yes. dreadful now, isn't it? Yeah, like borderline unusable. Yes. And yet I continue to. And yet yes. every time I have a minute, I continue to. Anyway, James says, I enter your DMs with a recent player spotted, he says. This is quite a recent DM as well, so it is genuinely recent, not recent mm-hmm. to the message. I'm on my way home from work this week, and I decided to pop into Lidl's in Ponta Dawe for a snack while waiting oh, for my bus. This is promising. This is a very excellent, promising start. Excellent use of the... Um, the possessive with little there becomes Liddles. Hmm. Not many people do. I like some people do it with Asda as well. I'm going to the Asdas. Mm. No, is it plural or is it possessive? Either way, but Sainsbury's is a possessive because it is Sainsbury's supermarket. Yeah, but aren't they, the Liddles doesn't own Liddle. 
No, that's true. Tesco's. You'd say Tesco's. That's yeah, that's wrong as well. Yeah, it's just Tesco. But I do Morrison, like him. Though. Yeah, he is just. He's not Morrison, is he? Yeah, he is Morrison's. Um, I've run through all the two. Cool, as you were. <laughs> so glad we got that clear. So there's, it's a fucking nightmare out there with people adding S's to supermarkets. Anyway, meanwhile, James is at Lidl's in Ponta Dowe for a snack while waiting for his bus. On my way out, while putting my headphones on to finish last week's pod, I heard a voice call out to me. All right, James Bet. I turned my head to be greeted by with man bun and recent man bun enthusiast, part time Croatian Justin Tipperich. No. In Little. In Little in Ponta Darwe. God the regional budget cuts have hit hard, haven't they? <laughs> yes. <laughs> if a seventy cap baked, international baked goods, though. It could have been baked that's goods it. he's going for. He's going for the back. cheese twists. Yes. He's just chased his daughter through the car park and we stood chatting in the entrance about life and the team he used to coach me in before going our oh, separate wow. ways. Well, that's a buried lead. It's, a, it's, 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 I mean, James, right? I'll be honest. I'm respecting it because I'm liking a little, the littles. Mm. I'm like, I'm liking Ponta Dawe. I'm liking Snacks. I'm liking Justin Tipperick. I have to be honest, I'm not liking the humble brag nature of this. There's an undercurrent, isn't there? There's an undercurrent. There's kind of, well, I just know, I just know Justin Tipperick. And I bop into him and he says hello. He says hello to me. He didn't even go yeah. over and say, Do you remember you used to coach me, Justin? And he went, fuck off. Who are you? No, he's, uh, he actually, he found you, which is lovely. One shows he's a nice guy, I mm. suppose, and he, He'll go out of his way and say hello to me, used to coach. But oh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It does border on too interesting as well. I think there's an addition of detail that it... almost brings it over a line. Also, I think anything involving Justin Tipper is too interesting. Do you think? I think anything I... he ever does is just interesting. See, I've heard you him know... talk, so I disagree with that. Well, you see, I don't know, because, you know, then you remember how he plays and his background yes. and just his yeah. general way of being, and it somehow becomes too interesting. But you're right, he is quite deadpan, isn't he? Yeah, massively so. I'm a, I was always a big fan of on... He talks a bit more now, but kind of behind-the-scenes documentary types sort of 10 years ago or so, where him and Talupe Falata would sit in the background not talking to each other. <laughs> I would apparently just play FIFA in silence during any time off. Every time they make Falatau captain of anything, he's like, is this like the world's first mute captain? Is it like an experiment? <laughs> do, do they like give him a, a chalkboard to dangle around his neck to write his instructions on in between plays sort of thing? It's a... He just does oh. that one wink and thumbs up over and over again. That's how he communicates with everyone. And, and it makes everybody play 5,000% better. <laughs> but they all just want the wink and the thumbs up off... They want the affirmation of of Taolupe. That probably would work, genuinely. It would work. <laughs> it would work. We're onto something here. You could definitely guarantee that Rio Dyer would have responded much better to a thumbs up and wink than getting a massive bollocking from uh, from Dan Bigger that time in that game. Yeah, I reckon. Don't worry about it, mate. You know, everything said. I've still got confidence in you. Have a wink. <laughs> Ten tries, you'd have scored that game if that would have happened instantly. <laughs> Anyway, so thank you, James, for that. If you've got play spotted, you can send them in to lee at bloodandmud.com or at bloodandmud. My DMs are open, or you can use the Patreon messaging service if you are a member or if you want to use a Patreon messaging service. Get yourself to patreon.com slash bloodandmud. Thank you very much. 
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Shall we do some news? Let's. Let's do news. Lots of news. There's lots of news every week, isn't there? No, there is. It seems to just keep spilling out, doesn't it? Italian. Well, Paolo Idogwu is Italian Mm. now. Mm. As is Dina Lam. Who's clearly a made-up person. (laughs) Yep. He's just, he's a combination of things you can find in Animal Crossing. <laughs> he's just, he's not a real person. No. So, I mean, it always felt like this day was coming for Paolo, didn't it? He's been putting it off a long time. He's been running from it his entire career, the day he inevitably declares frankly reluctantly. But here it, it is. It probably happened sooner if Eddie wasn't just messing with people's minds on a, on a globe, <laughs> on a permanent basis. Eddie's going to call him up for Australia now. <laughs> yes, indeed. I don't qualify. I don't worry about that. We can sort that for you. No, Get but the Liner does. Louis Liner does. So we're having you in here, and he's going to play for Italy. And England going to have no one left. Baldwick's going to release his own boots and run out himself. Yeah, that's true. The Louis Liner thing is definitely one to watch as well, isn't it, from an Italian... Well, well, at every point of view, but Italian in particular. You're not telling me Crowley's not, you know, sending him flowers every day. (laughs) Because he had... He said something during the Six Nations that there were five players he was targeting who weren't... weren't declaring for Italy. They weren't just made-up names, like one of these ones. There's (laughs) at least another four he's still targeting. Yeah, so there's four more players who aren't teenagers that he wanted, because that is basically the rest of his squad. It's like... Winners of some teen idol competition, and then these random Premiership players that he's managed to convince are Italian, and he's just kind of scribbled on the passport something saying Venice, and World Rugby's <laughs> going to go with it. Um, <laughs> it seems to be working. You know, he was he was a Granny Gate era player, so played in that era of you know maybe he learned from it from his True. fellow players that went abroad. Um, who knows? Um, maybe. He's a very Italian player, Paolo, isn't he? Mm. This current Italian backline, it seems a good fit for Paolo Adogwu. Yeah. Rare we're going to have a double Paolo backline. When has yes. that ever happened? Well, they're both called Paul. That's true. I suppose true. If, if you drill it down. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. If you look at the England under-20 teams, you've got a backline entirely made up of people called Ollie. <laughs> yeah. You could probably put out a team from this squad of entirely a backline, at least, of entirely Tommasos and Paolos. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't want to, but you could. No, do. no, no, hypothetically. 
<laughs> it's a really settled squad, those couple of weird inclusions aside. Uh, even Neymar's back as well from his ban for being incredibly racist. Um, yeah, Maury's more, more back, isn't it? Ioani's back. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, of course, Ioani, yeah. Um, but it feels quite settled. There's no big... The only kind of big shot call-ups are players who have played plenty in you know, major competitions. They're not youngsters. They have been in the last few years. Mm. It feels far more settled in the last few years where Italy have been constantly calling up this new production line of 12-year-olds. And instead, now, it feels like they've kind of chosen the best of those 12-year-olds and they're moving forward a bit. Um, so it's a hopefully it's quite an exciting squad that they can build on the kind of results they've been putting, or the kind of performances they've been putting together to go somewhere with it. Um, because it is a hugely talented squad. Like I said in the the, the preview thing I did on Italy, mm. that there's a good chance that the squad they take to this World Cup is the most talented they've ever taken. Whether or not it's the best, I don't know. But there's a good chance this could be the most talented. I mean, um, it, it has to be said that you have been um, Italy's hype man for probably yeah. about three years now, haven't you? Yeah, I've been slowly, steadily saying, they're going to get better, they've got some good players. And then they steadily have. So we'll see if it kicks on from here, but fingers crossed, there's enough good stuff in that squad. And no Sergio as well, Mm, which is the other thing that shouldn't be notable, but is. (laughs) Yeah, after that kick the other week, you think that's it, he's nailed on (laughs) the tournament, but yeah. To be fair to Crowley, fair play, because he must be getting a lot of... uh suggestions about it probably from Sergio himself yeah well he was saying that um he did an interview with um your man from planet rugby who did the gangster rap uh quote the other year which is um that I've forgotten his name but that is what matters um yes um but yeah he said that he made it clear to Crowley he was available Crowley came to speak with him um and they've clearly gone in a different direction. So I don't know if they just figured Sergio would undermine everything else, because I think he would. Um, I think he would kind of change yeah, the atmosphere. Genuinely, in that camp. From, through no fault of his own, I think he would turn up and do his best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's just impossible to escape the madness that would come with it. It's like, mm. it is like Argentina when they took, you know, Maradona to USA 94 and it all collapsed in cocaine. I'm not saying that's what would happen by the way. I'm just saying that it's oh, I hope it's, it would. It's all it's all that happens, isn't it? It just it just mm. it would just be such a huge um <laughs> Borthwick says, does his exclusion mean he'll now retire at the twenty twenty seven World Cup? <laughs> <laughs> oh, honestly I wouldn't write it off. He's in rare shape still, clearly. So There'll be some kind of force majeure to keep him out of that. He would just keep going. <laughs> and Gopper's still going, isn't he? Oh, yeah. I mean, out of contract, I'm secretly hoping he is Stephen Meyer's replacement the Ospreys. <laughs> this is my yeah. day and night praying to a goddess statue. Yes. It's not, it's not really about the money for you anymore, is it, Jimmy? Is it? Is no? It... Good. Right. Well, the Ospreys want to talk to you. <laughs> you always wanted to play for the love of the game, didn't you? <laughs> well, where more lovely than Mumbles. Yes, indeed. And where do you get more love in a game than in the in rugby in Wales? <laughs> Nothing wall to wall love at all times. It's why there's so many empty seats seats in the Liberty every week. Yeah, they're just filled with so love. Well. It's a you know, yeah. Around. yeah, it's just it's a wonderful, wonderful place. So yeah, so I'm looking forward to see what they do. 
to mm. be honest. Although it's uh, well, generally, I think we've been saying this for about a year. It, I think they could have kicked on more this year. Yeah, but I don't think it was a total disaster anyway either. The, even though the result ended up being roughly the same as they would normally get, mm. I don't think, I think... that tells it the entire story. Yeah, and I think no one was taking them for granted by the end of the tournament. Mm. And no one will in next year's Six Nations. And it's can they carry this into a World Cup where they have a nightmare pool with France and New Zealand. And Uruguay have been reasonably upfront-ish about the fact they're targeting Ethiopia again and they want to beat them. Um, so if they've got them... like This Italy team should be good enough to still hold them off. Yes. But if you've got a Uruguay team going hell for leather at them, as well as... Um, France and New Zealand and Nepal, it's kind of quite a tricky task. Um, so you wonder if you have to use this as another development tool towards the following World Cup and then they wanted to host one down the line and see if you can just build things um, rather than rather than necessarily viewing this as the do-or-die campaign. They should comfortably beat Uruguay, though, shouldn't they? You'd, you'd hope from an Italian perspective. You'd think so, wouldn't you? I mean, I, mm. you know... I'm not saying that's what I want to happen, but it's it. You know, by this stage, they should be like, yeah, maybe you know, do our best against France, but everything else should be all right. Well, I think they've got like a four-day turnaround between the France and Uruguay games, Italy, which right. is kind of the tough thing. I think that's I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's something like that. Um, I when I was doing a video hyping up Uruguay, I put together a compelling case of why Uruguay are going to beat them by fifty. Um, oh. I don't necessarily believe that. I don't need to hear um, anymore. Yeah, it's old. But it's as look. I am very good at talking myself into believing things. <laughs> well, you said Analog Cruelty's first album was good, didn't you? So, <laughs> uh, right. So that's the Italian squad. Interesting mm. and interesting in its settled nature, I guess. Mm. And I suppose the biggest compliment you can give them in terms of their development, which sounds like I'm damning with faint praise, but I'm not because it shows it come a long way. Is that you don't look at games when they play now and kind of go, well, is there, you know, I have to watch it, but is there much point in it, really? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's actually, you think, oh, this will be a good game. You know, they're not going to win, but mm. Jesus, I've watched plenty of games. I know people aren't going to win, and they're still decent. So, Speaking of that exact situation, uh, this week Japan have been officially moved up to Tier 1 as of oh. the end of the year. Who makes um, these decisions? So, What's, the... What kind of star chamber is that? <laughs> The official criteria for being Tier 1 is you get three votes on the World Rugby Council, where Tier 2 nations get one, and uh, Tier 3 are only represented by the kind of continental bodies, the Europe, Africa, whatever. Um, Japan had been the only nation with two votes, making them a kind of weird 1.5. <laughs> it's it's actually describes them perfectly, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of ideal. That's kind of exactly where they were, and they're being given a third vote as of... I think the end of the World Cup. Um, so wow. they're going to become tier oh, one wow. because what? they're a well-off union and they like world rugby. Um, and there's talk of adding them and Fiji to the uh, rugby championship as of 2026. Um, which is the other note that world rugby this week have stepped into, they, they use their word, their word is stabilize the Fijian rugby union, um, hmm. which is, an interesting thing. They do go into some details of like Fiji Rugby Union's new goals in high performance and development and governance and everything else. But it sounds like there was a great deal of nerdy welling going on. Yes. And World Rugby have nipped it in the bud 
and taken over themselves. That sounds like Liverpool City Council, where basically the government appointed commissioners to run it rather than mm. having elected officials doing it because they've made oh. such a mess of it. That's about to come to an end now. Right, um, okay. But that happens in local government sometimes. It happened at, at Honest Morn, Anglesey as well, in okay. Wales, where they basically, I mean, you've got to do a really bad job to have local democracy taken away from you. But um, <laughs> and it, it, I, I'm getting that vibe from Fiji. I'm getting really, really bad local council vibes. Off the Fiji Rugby Union, and you the, know the, that's exactly what's happened. The over the overseeing body's gone right. We can't have this anymore. <laughs> you know. We've let we we'll let you have a go. You got a second crack. It's like a bloodless coup, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. We're only stepping in to stabilise things. We won't be staying here, you know, fifty years later, and the third the third grandson of the head of World Rugby still running it. So. Yeah, it's still Mohammed Altrad running it himself. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Fourteen more French academies have opened in Suva. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so that's happening. Nobody knows why. Interesting. I love a bit of you know governance nerdery. That's all. Yes. <laughs> powerful stuff. It's what I bring to this podcast. <laughs> Speaking of people who are different nationality now, or at least were or weren't, Henry Thomas is not a different nationality now because mm. he's. Very clearly saying this week that he's always been Welsh. Yeah. It was all just terribly confusing. It was all just a big mix-up before. Um, Johnny Williams did the exact same thing, having played for England in an uncapped Barbarians game, then playing for Wales. Exact same thing of saying, actually, I always wanted to play for Wales. And it was just, a, I tripped over one day and fell into a red rose shirt. It's a funny one, isn't it? Because... I'm not going to quit. I, I don't know any. I don't know Henry Thomas. Mm. I don't know his history. I don't know his motives. But I can definitely say, well, that's just an interesting question for you, isn't it? Mm. I suppose you mm. are a child of Welsh parents. Mm. Uh, but you were born in England, were you? Were yes. you born in Wales? Yeah, born in England. Yeah. yeah. But you are Welsh. Yeah. It's. I was having this conversation with Will earlier today. It's funny how. Everyone I meet in rugby union who is from a primarily working class background from this kind of and has any Welsh roots whatsoever instantly leaps onto being a Wales fan. Um, from having spoken to everyone I've spoken to, the amount of like that I mean, just from this, you look at this podcast, Rotor of Guests, the Rhiannon Garth Joneses of the world, yeah. the um, Sam Larners of the world. Yeah. Um, we had on the, the Squidge podcast the other week uh, my fellow Cosali Francis, who's an Italy fan, then a Wales fan, despite being born and raised his entire life in England. Um, it's it's funny how you just end up leaning into it. I don't know if it is just the rugby union history of it, um, or there's a want... I don't know. Uh, I'm now looking at something, a completely different question to what you were just asking me. I know, um, it's a good point. No, it's, I think the, the, the discussion I was starting, I guess, I, I don't mm. know interesting what your views are on it, is... It is possible mm. for somebody like Henry Thomas mm. to have grown up in England, wanted to play for England, gone that way, that's what he did, he was living in England, but also still felt at the time a real affinity for Wales. That's yeah. completely possible and not that crazy an idea. Yeah. And, I said, like... and it's an interesting thing around, no, your nationality is unbending and unchanging. I'm not mm. talking about residency now. Leave that aside for a second. But lots of people have quite complicated histories, not complicated histories, but mixed histories 
and mixed family backgrounds, which can play a role. You know, Tuapalotu is a good example, isn't it? Mm. Mm. You know, where people always assume he's residents. And no, actually, I've got a Scottish grandmother who I who I love dearly, and she loves me, and I play for her, sort of thing. However, if another nation had come calling before where I grew up, then I would have played for them. That doesn't make me any. It doesn't. One thing doesn't negate the other, or somehow mm. make any the other thing shit. Now, there's probably something of Henry Thomas going. Oh, go on then. Yeah, but it's not. Oh, you yeah. know, I don't know him. I don't know his story. <laughs> Johnny Ball says, "Try being born in Belfast." No, Johnny, I won't do that. <laughs> that sounds like a terribly, incredibly hard bit of work. That, but um, but yes, it's um, but I mean myself, right? I'm mm. I've mm. got English parents, um, English grandparents. I'm English blood wise, right back to Ireland in about 1880, mm. basically, um, and. I was born in Wales because my parents were here. I lived there till I was two. Then I moved to Lancashire, hence I sound like this. And I came back to Wales when I was 12 because that's where my grandparents had moved to when my parents divorced. So I've actually, and then I went to uni in England and I lived in Cardiff and my kids were born in Wales and my kids have never lived anywhere else. So I've lived in Wales more than I've lived in England. Mm. But I, I'm kind of English, but I do have an affinity with Wales. So the idea that I was... If I chose one or the other or changed at some point, I don't think that would be a betrayal of myself. Mm. But it wouldn't try to be a betrayal of the fans of either country either. Luckily, yeah. I'm a fucking terror. I'm terrible at everything. So I wasn't going to be so like, I didn't have to make that choice. But, but you know what I mean? It's, yeah. Well, I, I think there's something in... Because I was bullied in school as the Welsh kid, and I don't know if you'd have been, you know, in a similar case. It almost reinforces further... Yeah, any affinities, um, and I think did it you adds feel like you, cho- you chose to be Welsh, or was it not a choice for you? You could have chosen not to be, couldn't you? Very easily. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and I think I chose to lean into it rather than yes, walk away. Yes, um, and even now, like it being, you know, it was very much on my the Welsh rugby was drilled into me by my dad, who. I mean, I don't know. He went for a long walk a few years ago, and whew, it's been a while. Um, yeah. He's, I hope that pint of milk. I hope he got it. You know, it's probably off by now. Yes. Uh, he popped out to buy, um, but it's something that's always. I think it's very interesting the fact that I, I think in many ways the squid rugby thing. In is many ways, he's, he's still punishing you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the real Six Nations white wasps were the farms we lost along the way. <laughs> the, the yeah, I think there's um, there's never been a moment since then where I have, and maybe it's just you know, kind of say there's a man in for a penny. You know, I'll keep going until I drop down dead with the whole awful Welsh rugby crusade. But um, I think there is something interesting that I have thought about a reasonable amount over the last few months of the kind of identity of it. Um, mm. And I think I'm still formulating where I go. And there'll probably be a book out in three years' time that I wrote uh, on this. Uh, or at least, no, there'll be half a draft of a book that I'll never finish. Um, That's kind. Yeah. You need one. You know, you need at least four by the time you hit 40, I hear. Yeah, it's... Um, it's So, yeah, th- there's probably some cynicism. There's probably some cynicism with a number of people that mm. do this. But I also think it's, 
I wouldn't jump to conclusions as quickly all the time because, as I said, he may have just taken the England route because he probably does feel English and he probably does feel Welsh. That's mm. I know it's that's anathema to some people, but um, it's it just, is it's actually a... it, it's true. <laughs> fascinating life he had playing Elliot in ET then going on to play for England then for Wales in rugby <laughs> just what a life for Henry Thomas we look at people like um, Thomas Tomo Ramos who comes from a Spanish family mm. and mm. Josa did as well you know right on the Basque border then then you got the whole Basque French thing going on as well which yeah. is possible to be two things at once as well it's um, and yeah. this this um, Dutch second row called Holland, who's playing uh, sort of ITM Cup. I think he might be playing Super Rugby now. Right. Um, who is twenty years old, I think. But yeah. he said his dream because he grew up watching New Zealand rugby. His dream was never to play for the Netherlands. He moved to New Zealand in order to play for the All Blacks because that was his dream, and it was related to more the All Blacks brand than related to a national identity. Um, I always find that one a bit... I'm not saying it's terrible, but I always find that a bit more difficult because that's like yeah. saying I want to play for Bayern Munich or Real Madrid or exactly. something, isn't it? And it is different. Yeah. A national team is different to that, I believe. But it's it's a weird one, isn't it? But if you're growing up divorced from it because you're not watching the Netherlands play against these teams, then they do almost become brands, or they can. Um, and I suppose, I suppose and, when you're in the culture of it, it's just this yeah. huge thing. It's like LA Dodgers or... Something, I don't know. <laughs> exactly. And there was, some, there was like a Nicky Robinson the other week saying that if England called him up because he's English qualified, he would have gone and played for them had it been, you know, the stand-down period and everything mm. because he just wanted to play at that level again. Um, and it was nothing to do with national pride in one direction or another or what, what he felt. He just wanted to keep playing at that level. Um, and sometimes you've got to respect that they can be career choices because ultimately that's what these are. You I mean, they've had a different company. You know. I mean, England have had some difficult years. I don't think they were Nicky Robinson call up difficult. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> One George Ford injury in 2015. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I said he was interviewed, wasn't he, Henry Thomas? I did wonder, mm. like, why does he feel he has to come out and defend this, really? And I suppose he wanted to make the point he's had some shitty comments on social media, mm. basically. He wanted to try and. And, and some will say he's just backtracking or it's a PR stunt, but actually he seemed to be quite genuine to say, well, actually, no, it's, you know, my dad's Welsh. So. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what else have we got that's happening? Have we got any more news? Have we got any news there? I oh, said so the referees have been named for the World Cup. Uh, yeah. Is there any, anything that you notice about um, them? Yeah. <laughs> At a glance, you know, it's... Ooh. Absolute sausage factory. Yeah. Yep. So Holly Davison, don't know what more she can do um, yeah. other than transition. Um, they'll Which, of course, she, she definitely shouldn't be doing it anywhere near yes. now, unfortunately. And she'd just be banned entirely. Um, yes. And, yeah, it's... Um, I, I Look, I've always had a, like no referee chat rule, and I do find it terribly boring and more and more pervasive, this kind of ongoing discussion of all being about the referee. But... I don't know what world Carl Dixon is a better referee than Holly Davison. I don't. I don't know what world that when that is the case that it is true. But hey, here we are. We're going. To, it's going to be the Carl Dixon World Cup. It's time. We're going to put up with him for during a World Cup. Adamson's not going, is he? 
I think he's got. Is he going as a touch judge? Is he oh, um, yeah. marginalised? That's probably better. There's another one. Why is he going? When any list of somebody else, I'm not even saying like loads of the women refs are all fucking a, so they're all being deliberately ignored. It's not that at all. It's just that there are plenty of people who have middling performances all the time, and there's no reason why you couldn't get a bit more representative. Mm. In my view, but there you go. But we would say that, though, wouldn't we? You know what I mean? Bloody woke snowflakes <laughs> wanting people to be respected for their ability. Yes. Or even just if you've got a comparison with somebody who's they're both kind of on a level, why not go for the one that gives you a bit more representation? Yeah. But, you know, what crazy ideas. I don't suppose... didn't make it confirms uh, both. Well, at least that gives me a little bit of heart. So, um, yeah, we have... Nika Amashikeli going for the first time as well. Um, good old 27-year-old Georgian referee, which, I mean, I'm sure the occasion... Um, you've got Andrew Brace going to a World Cup, which I think would have surprised everyone four years ago. Um, Carl Dixon... There's not that many of them about, is there? That's, that's the thing, thing I mean. though. It's not even like, well, who else would you pick? It's not like there's a whole 20-odd amazing refs all waiting to go, is there? That's the other thing. Bruce Monaghan says here, is Holly not doing the WX? Yeah, she probably like, is, isn't she? She probably is, and there's probably something about saying, well, the best women referees should be doing the women's game because that's only right. Mm. Uh, but I wouldn't mind swapping it around a bit. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they clash, is, as Bruce just says, is... The fact that's a problem because the fucking tournaments clashes the whole of the discussion which we had last week. But um, mm. yes. No, yeah, so that's happened. It's funny, isn't it? Because I, I, when I'm writing on The Guardian sometimes, I, I, if I remember, I say, which is very professional of me, obviously, but if I remember, I will say before the game, this is who the refs are. Mm. But sometimes when you don't, people say, who's, people like you're 10 minutes in, cover it like someone say, who's the ref? You think shit? I forgot to settle because it is so important, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Any other game, nobody, gives, most games, nobody gives a shit, do they? But it's like it's it's like a key tactical sort of issue. Because that's it. Like in football, you're looking at there's maybe two things that an individual referee can have a preference on. You know, can kind of have something you can play to, uh, and you've got to be careful around. Where in rugby, it's everything, every aspect of the game can change depending on what the referee is hot on because it is a fundamentally impossible game to referee and therefore complaining about it feels almost redundant it's like complaining about the way the ball bounces yeah yeah it's literally that pointless it's like shaking your fist at the sky and screaming (laughs) for like justice after the ball like kicks off the point the wrong way it's a force majeure that you can't control quite so yeah so there's that um london irish Yes. Uh, there's a US consortium taking over, which can only, I can only assume is a far-right um, conservative group. Um, I have no idea. That was just me, you know. Well, it, kind of thing that I'm yeah. it supposedly involves, um, and this came via Josh, and I've forgotten the details, um, <laughs> a former NFL player, I believe, who was tried for murder. Um, which is very on brand for London Irish, really, um, to be part of their big saviour consortium. Yes. Very much, um, yeah, sports people with dodgy reputations um, who have perhaps had close shaves in court. Yeah. Yes, like flies around shit. 
to that yes, particular or fly halves around shoes. Oh, hey, the um. So anyway, there's no clarity. There's, we don't mm. know what's going on. So the RFU have released a statement today and basically said they've got till the 30th of May to be clear about what the bloody hell they're doing because they delayed paying people's wages last month. And leaving aside the fly half of which we do not speak, there's obviously mm. a lot of people working mm. for that organisation who need paying. <laughs> mm. Mm. So the but the RFU, do you know, do you know, brilliant PR lines. I love them. So the RFU have said. As a result, the RFU, because of all this uncertainty, the, the 30th of um, May is the deadline. So as a result, the RFU, the, as a result of this uncertainty, the RFU, the Premiership, Premiership Rugby and the RPA is seeking to take action to obtain greater clarity on the future of London Irish. Taking action to obtain <laughs> greater clarity. They've sent an email. Yeah, exactly. Can you tell us what the fuck is going on, please? That's it, no. I'm guessing. That entire yeah. PR statement was saying, we've asked them what is going on. They have <laughs> yet to respond. Yeah. We sent a follow-up email with just a question mark in it. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. We flagged it to follow up next week <laughs> in Microsoft Outlook, and if they don't come back to us by then... <laughs> We're worried it's going to come up with a little thing on Gmail saying, last message six days ago, respond. <laughs> that freaks me out when that happens. Yeah, because they're always right. I should have replied. Suggested responses and Outlook as well is the other thing. Oh, so yeah. Getting that in work. It, Lots of too many exclamation marks. Everything's everything's emoted now, isn't it? Everything's going to be emoted. Thank you very much. Exclamation. Thank you very much, exclamation mark. <laughs> It's never something I would have said, but they always get the brunt right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we'll wait and see. I mean, we're laughing, but uh, mm. Mm. it is the latest chapter in this ongoing, uh, never-ending Ulysses-like novel that is yeah. slowly falling apart at the seams financially. And it's London Irish has been one of those clubs that every year there's a new story coming out about how much they're playing, paying, you know, player X, Y, or Z that feels massively above their um, their value, you know, above their kind of what you would have thought would be their asking price. Yeah. Um, how much are you paying Creevy to, you know, have a gentle walk? <laughs> He's there to just turn up for the odds, you know, promo opportunity. <laughs> yes. He's... He's basically just there to be a good lad. You know, they need one in the squad somewhere. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's been a... I think they're a club that has been a lot of question marks around in the way... Like, you hear the same stories about Bristol, but you know they've had a massive sugar daddy propping them up mm. in Steve Lansdowne. Um, and you hear some of the same things about Sale. And it makes you ask if suddenly it's not just Wasps who are struggling. And then, so Wasps have the same thing. And yes. they've now disappeared. And London Irish, the other club who you're then asking questions of, suddenly this is all starting to look very precarious. Um, you've already heard rumours around Leicester, who seem like the most stable bet in the Premiership. So it's all very concerning um, the way that a lot of it seems to be collapsing in on itself continually. Um, yeah, something needs to be done and hopefully... You know, regardless of how I personally feel about London Irish and their squad, 
Yes. Hopefully things go through to continue them remaining a you know, well, there are people at London Irish who, you know, do the cleaning, I imagine, and yeah, yeah. offices and have nothing to do with any of that, do they? You know, mm. so, and, you know, it's awful that they, like with the others, will be out of a job. So if this can't continue and, you know, what what happens when you've got four teams left in 10 yeah. years? Just, you sort of an endless playoff cycle. I'll tell you what you should do when you've got four teams left. Put one of them in Pontypridd. <laughs> it's staring everyone right in the face, isn't it? Honestly, why are you really fucking about in West London? Yeah. Trying to make it work. Why are they even going to Swansea? What a waste of time that would have been. When Ponty's right there, <laughs> you had seven thousand people in that arena in Liverpool, and people talk about what a great atmosphere it was and how packed it was. Bloody, you get that at the Welsh regions, Oof. it's nothing. You, you think imagine how many people it, <laughs> a miasma of affinity surrounding the whole thing. Imagine if they'd held Liverpool. No, imagine if they'd held Eurovision in Ponty. Then we'd know what a party looks like. A Ponty party. There'd be 250,000 people there within an hour. That just would have been the lineup. There would have been 250,000 countries entering. (laughs) Yes. Like Mesopotamia would have entered. Eurovision. Intergalactivision. (laughs) Oh, you can't wait. Stars themselves actually coming down to compete. <laughs> yeah, it's a Bucky's favourite, this one. It's a white giant. Um... <laughs> the Russian entrance. <laughs> uh, anyway, Jesus, now that did go off on one. What, so that was London Irish to Intergalactivision and mm. stars, literal stars singing in, in Pontypridd. We'll see how that pans out. You mentioned <laughs> Japan before. Charles Piertel's off to Japan. Yes. Yeah. Some boring news nobody cares about. Yeah. Um, Abby Dow to Ealing, having mentioned it as well, which is interesting, yes. with Amy Cocaine, Meg Jones, and uh, Leah Bartlett also going to Leicester. So there's two new clubs being introduced to the Premier League next season, really bolstering their ranks, um, but hopefully going to make things interesting if they're coming in and splashing that amount of money about immediately. Yes, indeed. And uh, the well, I'm liking that Ealing had gone. Well, where, where's the real growth area we can get into? Mm. I know. Let's get a fucking blinging women's team. They won't give a shit that the stadium's not quite right. Yeah. Not, for, not for at least another ten. Genuinely, not for at least another ten years. We have to worry about that in some ways. Yeah. So, Great for exposure, growing the club, growing the brand, growing everything else. Yeah. Being associated with Abby Dow is wonderful for your brand. I think. Um, suddenly, the moment they brought in Abby Dow, I thought, if only the Ospreys had merged with them. If only I had legitimate cause to cheer for Abby Dow. Quinns have signed uh, Connie Powell as well. Mm. Mm. A lot of kind of jumping around as he yeah. comes to that kind of end of the season suddenly. Fionn Lewis is injured as well. I saw that earlier. Yeah, which is a bit of a loss, but she's Not wonderful. I love well. She's out for, for the rest of the year, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So out to sort of November, December-ish. Someday um, we're going to settle on what we're going to call this women's tournament. Is it W15, WXV, WX5, W10V? No idea. What's a W in Roman numerals? Not that they got that far, did they? Didn't a have to. Gazillion. Didn't have to 50. count that many countries they conquered. <laughs> no. 
so that's happening. Any other transfer news? I don't think there is. Uh, is there? One of a little bit of news that was like potentially significant, but we'll see. Uh, Steve Abood, who was the guy that set up Leinster's academy and then ran Ireland's academies for a number of years, then moved oh. to Italy. He was poached by uh, Conor O'Shea and set up their academy that led to the uh, Lamoros and the Garbizis and the so ons coming through, the Canones, etc. Um, He's he... off to Ponte. <laughs> just for a holiday, though. Just for Eurovision. <laughs> just, just fancy to trip out. Um, he has just been poached by Canada, which is a potentially big move that Kingsley Jones is somehow going to manage to wreck. He's still there, it's, isn't he? If he's still there. He's still Lurking, there. like impending <laughs> danger. It. I mean, it's an extraordinary thing. If they can get past the Kingsley-shaped, the, the clarity photocopier-shaped elephant in the room then that's potentially very interesting for Canada if they've got, if they can set up a strong academy um, and hopefully overcome some of the kind of logistical difficulties they've had. Potentially, we'll see. We'll see. Could be interesting. Could be nothing. Still using Skype, Kingsley. Yeah. Not, not even made the shift to Teams or Zoom. No, he's old really school. Really struggles to get in touch with anybody. <laughs> Last bit of mad news. Mm. <laughs> for me, Michael Checker is apparently interested in managing in the vacant management position, coach position, at St. George Illawarra Dragons in the NRL. Okay. Now he coached Lebanon, he... didn't he, in the yeah. League World Cup? Because he is of Lebanese extraction, isn't he? And um, now I read, I thought, that can't be right. So then I read further in the story, and the story's even better because it's basically Michael Checker's representative has phoned St. George Illawarra Dragons and said... <laughs> Michael just wants you to know that he'd like to be considered for this role. <laughs> so, that, I mean, that's just... I just absolutely love the absolutely unshakable, concrete, like, titanium confidence that Checker has. <laughs> so even... Because you would think, oh, I'd fancy it, but I can't fucking ring him because they're just going to laugh at me. But he's, he just does it anyway because he's, he's Michael Checker. I love that he's just hoovering up jobs as he goes. He's going to do <laughs> yes. that alongside Argentina, alongside Lebanon. And, uh, he's going to, and still running his fashion business somehow. Yeah. I think he's doing another club in Japan somewhere. He's going to have, like Eddie Jones had a lot of coaching jobs, but he turned up to most of them for two days a year. <laughs> Checker is fully head coach of about 16 teams. <laughs> and he's going to and eat up CEO, the rest of them. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't he going there before he started coaching as well? Yeah, he yeah, yeah. yeah. Did before he even thought, well, I'll just become an elite level coach as well now. Yeah, this is just like he's something he does for fun. He, like, it isn't his day job. He's runs this, like, yeah, million dollar jeans business. He's yeah, absolutely it's a fashion supply company. He doesn't actually right. supply denim to people who make jeans or something. It's it's one of them, like a really boring one, but he's he makes millions off it. It's extraordinary. I think Steve Diamond's similar, like, is sorted outside of rugby. Oh yes, but, he's he's got plenty of green. Yes, but I mean he's going one job at a time, and I'm quite enjoying the dimes he, era. He seems of... to have made a lot of money in Russia, which always raises some yes. question marks. Doesn't it? My genuinely, my mate's dad took redundancy payments and started a, a company that does you know suspended roofs in offices. Mm. I don't know if your office mm. has got one, mm. and he basically. Him and his mate packed up and went to Moscow for the 90s as communism was ended. Right. And made a fortune. Yeah. And good for them, because who the hell else would pack up and piss off to Moscow, I guess. But um, 
but some of the stories he tells you about the he's told me about the business goings on of of trying to conduct commerce in Russia yeah. in the in the mid nineties makes 90s. me makes me think of the kind of things that Diamond must have been embroiled in. Oh, and not that, he, not that well. he was doing anything illegal, but the kind of things he had no. to do to keep his business going in Russia, you know, in the past twenty five years, basically. Because we know he would. We oh, know God, that yeah. is that is a man yeah. whose ability outstrips his morals. That is a pragmatic man right there. <laughs> yes. I think that is safe to say. Has he, has he phoned you recently? Not you, not I mean, recently. Not recently. Need, still you need, you need to do a real like shitty video about Edinburgh and see yeah. if he rings you. I might line it up just in case. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Michael Checker possibly head coaching in the NRL for even more bad shit. <laughs> Crazy NRL action. That would be Post match with Checker in the NRL. And the sheer amount of ammunition that could give Rugby Australia and bloody <laughs> Hamish. Yeah, he'd be like poacher turned gatekeeper, wouldn't he? He'd be like <laughs> arguing for the NRL, knowing all of Rugby Australia's secrets as well. They would just like publicly shaming him. <laughs> It'd be absolutely great. We need this to get pettier in the way that only Michael Checker can make it. There's, there's an NRL uh, pundit, old coach, called Phil Gould. Mm. Have you seen him? Uh, no. He's 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 a concussion is all made up guy. <laughs> right, okay. And his latest thing two weeks ago is that he's commissioned his own research by lots of doctors that's going to prove that it's all bullshit, basically. And he's okay. going to prove For three years, he's been saying it's nonsense, and he's going to be proved right. Very strong Donald Trump energy. Mm. I know millions of doctors, and they've all said, and I'll get this sorted within yeah. He's He's an arsehole. I mean, outside of the concussion thing, he's always been an arsehole. But he's, uh, he sounds it. I think that's his job, to be honest. He's probably a perfectly pleasant guy outside the studio. And then as soon as the camera comes on, he just becomes that guy. But it's it works. You know, the amount of people that built careers off it. Yes. Any more news? I'm, I know. Oh, thank God for that. Right then, so... <laughs> We're going into the weekend now, which means we say goodbye to all the people who can't be bothered supporting us. And that's just the way it is. Do you know what I mean? Bye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. That is the end of the weekend. Mm. Monday. It is, yeah, literally. It's Monday today and... We've stopped talking about it because it is the end of the weekend. Shall we do some shit good? Let's. I'll start us off with shit. Mm. The shittest thing in the world. Stephen Jones, time traveller. <laughs> I was going to say shit was the Twickenham Sevens. Yeah, it terrible. was yeah. terrible this year. Just a, lot of, just a lot of drunk people from the army. Yeah. That's all it was. It was... Reminded me of Eurovision. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, you you do get you do get a little window into the writing process of a, the probably one of the most highly paid, well, probably the most highly paid rugby journalist in the country, don't you? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's the fact that his writing process is clearly what is going to annoy me next week, and then he goes and makes up. It it all comes back to that one tweet he said about how poor James Lowe was in the game. Then someone asked him, "Did you watch it?" And he went, "No, I was watching the golf." It's like I think it's not even like he's like it's not even like he's hiding in plain sight with this. No. He's just in plain sight. And like, really, yeah. Someone tweeted him saying, I think there's been a mistake here, you know, the sevens is next week, and he replied saying, No mistake, thanks for your feedback. <laughs> yeah, and to be fair to him, in terms mm. of when it was launched, he doesn't do the he doesn't do the headlines, he doesn't do the scheduling, he doesn't do the stand first and all that kind of stuff that won't be him he just mm. writes it files it and somebody does it how many layers of decision making sub editing and whoever was doing the fronts on the website and the typesetting in the mm. type in now you know what i mean in whatever it is they use and it gets you before somebody just thought well it just shows you how many people pay attention to rugby union in that yeah. paper, doesn't it really though i mean i've i've heard some stories of how stephen jones is handled um I probably shouldn't probably shouldn't repeat on air. But um yeah. Uh I've been led to believe that his copy is normally quite heavily um reworked. Uh, yes. Eyes are normally paid to it. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's yeah, he'll be on a lot of money. Yeah. He's doing alright for himself, I think. Yeah. All his awards, you know. And this is what's going to annoy me next week. Mm. And how can you... I mean, I don't particularly like Rugby Sevens, right? Mm. But how the hell can you get irritated by something that offers a different fan experience and gets people probably wouldn't really be that into rugby normally turning yeah. up for a laugh? Can you imagine? And he... He presents it as though this has changed. This is now the modern game. It's been like that for at least 20 years. And it sums up You're... everything that's wrong with rugby somehow. I don't know <laughs> and how. society at large. <laughs> God, honestly. Yeah. It's... Yes, it's, um, it's, it's remarkable. It is. What a fuck up. The thing yeah. is, right, is the thing is, probably somebody will probably lose their job over this or come mm. very close to it, and it won't be him. I mean, yeah, there's one job that should be lost over yes. this. But there we go. Is he still writing for Rugby World? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, like him or loathe him, hard to ignore him. Straight away, yeah. you just well, he's obviously a total twat and nobody wants to read him. <laughs> it's just, I mean, he's he's been stealing a living for quite a while. Um, but, like, I felt hypocritical coming, like, coming on here having watched the games back late rather than watching them live. Um, <laughs> but Stephen Jones being, I don't know, he's, a, he's an extraordinary man who is doing extraordinary things in many, many ways. Yes. You know, extraordinary can also mean very bad, just so yes. we know. <laughs> yeah. if you, so that, there's that. Lots of people submitted that as their shit, by the way. Um Thank you, but there was just too many of you, so I decided to just sum it up at the top. 
What have you got? Have you got any that's anything that's shit for I move into the submission? Oh, I just I just thought the sevens was utterly terrible. Um <laughs> ah, just... Well it was the actual it was the Army and Navy game this weekend. Yes. Twickenham, which and I've been to that game and that 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 is an experience. You should go to that one time. Mm. It is like the biggest pub in Britain. <laughs> Literally, so, people just getting up and going to the bar every two minutes. A fair do something. It's it's a giant forces reunion social, basically. It sounds like Judgment Day. Yeah, except more people there, <laughs> and the army I mean, and the navy hate each other even more than the Welsh regions do. That's true. But if there was a Pontypool navy, then imagine. <laughs> In fact, regiments within the army hate each other more than than. It's a strange thing, the British Army. In mm. my limited, I've not been in it. In my limited experience of it, but but um, from what my dad tells me, people I know it's been in it, and I've been to the Army Navy game with veterans. Mm. Wow. And yes, they they just spend the entire time pointing at people from such a regiment and go, "They're a set of cunts. They're soft <laughs> bastards. They've never done anything in their lives." They are, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, it was. It was terrible. Anything else is shit from you? For a uh, there was a point on that, but from Rugby Babble on Twitter, just saying that Twickenham set it up so that the uh, shuttle was out of the game clashed with the women's match afterwards, um, meaning there was ah, a right. much smaller crowd in for that. So I think that qualifies as shit. It's yet um, another reason why nothing should ever be held at Twickenham. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> it's a nightmare. The whole thing should be used to house the homeless and they should move everything somewhere else. Yeah, it should just be that one museum where they have like <laughs> Gareth Edwards shirt. Yes, they should. Yeah, there should just be the, the archive that Tony Collins uses because he's sad. Yeah, yeah. Beyond that, <laughs> nothing. It should all just yeah. be moved somewhere that else. One shop selling jam on the side. Yeah, never mind all this. The House of the Parliament should move to Hull. Move fucking Twickenham to Hull. <laughs> <laughs> just imagine how many people they could inspire up there. If imagine, they had. how many people would pick up a rugby ball. <laughs> Yeah, and be very confused that you you weren't allowed to play the ball with your foot after you got Yeah, tackled. you get more than five tackles. <laughs> so Dennis Souter gets in touch on shit and says, shit is the former Maori All Black uh, Billy Guyton dying at 33 after retiring at oh. 28 because of concussion issues. Oh, Although there's no indication that the two are linked. It's absolutely yeah, it's terrible. Absolutely terrible. Mm. I didn't see that this week. Andy Payne says that shit is Henry Thomas, despite having done everything to prove otherwise, now declaring himself a true Welshman. Yeah, we talked about this before, Andy, but yeah. Um, I have a slightly, I have a view on it, but yeah, I do think, yeah, it could be that he is complete. Sometimes, as Andy says here, sometimes you've just got to straight out and admit the money you get from international caps is worth saying and doing whatever is necessary. And I think that is probably true for some people. I wouldn't want to assume that motive in all people, is what I would say. Yes. Yeah, I think that's very fair. Uh, Dan Shear says shit is playoffs, full stop. Our star fly half gets crocked before kickoff. Assuming you're a Leicester fan, Dan. He said, so our previous star fly half can put on a masterclass and knock us out. <laughs> yes. <we're laughs> like. After this, my football team loses for the first time in 15 games to go 2-1 down in the playoffs, second leg in the football. I hate the playoffs. I'm assuming you're a Luton fan, Dan, because I think that's a Sunderland game. Sunderland won two one against Luton in the hmm. first leg of the championship. But Sunderland could be back in the Premiership after that comically oh, wow. brilliant uh, Sunderland till I die documentary yeah. on Netflix showing all of their woes. Oh, um, I hope they're recording that. I hope they're filming that. Oh, we won't film it. That there's no there's no, there's no there's no viewership in that. You, you want incompetence <laughs> and craziness. Have you got any more shit? 
Um, I don't think I do. Uh, shall we move on to good? And can I just say that um, this was brought to my attention. Good is local radio commentary, right? Mm-hmm. Have you have you seen this? The local radio commentary of the Munster drop goal and the end I of the haven't. Game? Oh, I'm so very excited. Okay, I'll play it because local radio commentary really is the best thing in the world, right? So let me just. Uh, and it's not working. That's annoying. That's what and, uh, local radio is meant to do. That isn't it? And that's yeah, why yeah. people have a bit of a pro. And that's BBC Wales is a bit like local radio. That's why they're like that when they watch rugby or football. Mm. And I feel a bit sorry, really, for England. I don't really feel sorry for England fans, but you know what I mean for England fans in that BBC is England. There's no BBC England as such, is there? Or yeah. if it is that, everyone assumes that the BBC that's not BBC Wales or not BBC Scotland is all of the BBC. So therefore, you're not allowed to be partisan. Well, BBC yeah, Wales yeah, can yeah. be partisan. BBC Scotland can be partisan. But BBC can't be. You know, I, so England don't really have that, do they? But I mean, the proper local, like if this is a football or radio, Merseyside. Even better than that, of course, are actual club commentators like very famously um mick morgan with mm. the, uh, oh yeah perfect and all that and uh, there's a brilliant one if you ever find there's a guy called dave higson he's a commentator on um bolton wanderers football he's incredible as well he's dead now but he was mm. he was incredible he was there there and how'd you get that job how'd you yeah. apply for the job as being the actual club's commentator for the end of season dvds and stuff <laughs> it must be amazing it must be an internal job they must be doing something else there I don't know. I remember listening to the Ospreys playing Newcastle once, the Falcons, uh, in a Challenge Cup game that wasn't being televised. So I was having to listen to like Radio Tyneside's cover- coverage. Um, and they're talking about what a handy player this like Ospreys number five looks like. It was Alan Wynne-Jones. <laughs> they have paid attention to nothing but Newcastle Falcons for 20 years. And I greatly respect that. When I went to watch Lee last week, you think, you know, when you're in a crowd, and I don't mm. go to games often, I'd like to. And what what's brilliant is, is when you get an incri- entire crowd doing exactly what McMorgan did on commentary. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because yes. all he does is react like the crowd does. You know, when there's like a high shot, or something, Whoa, everyone, everyone goes in exactly the same way. Or when it looks like somebody's a forward, but forward, you know, everyone does it at the same time and stuff. And that's, you're just allowed to do that, but on the airways. But yeah, that is, uh, I'm assuming that's radio... I don't know, Radio Monster or Cork or Limerick or something. But anyway, that was a that was that. And thank you for whoever brought that to my attention, whose name I now can't remember. And I'm gonna I'm gonna vamp a bit until I can get to the point where I can remember. It was Jerry Keaveney. Thank you, Jerry. That's wonderful. That's excellent. Have you got any good? Uh, yeah. I mean, so Hodnett, you mentioned John Hodnett was absolutely fantastic. Peter Armani, I, can't, I, I'm I think I've called him his... Josh before. I do apologize yeah. for that because I'm, I'm so I'm missing Josh so much. <laughs> I'm loving Peter Armani's like late season spike tour 
of just looking fuming of everything. Also, I don't know if you saw his, vote, his video he posts of him gardening. Oh, have I seen that? He's the, basically spent. He's like been like a fucking as as uh, the three red kings calls him the war god. Yes, but he's basically like the war god, isn't he? And then he just spends the next two days visiting himself doing topiary. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. The most anal precise gardener you've ever seen. Oh, it's Incredible. very much not my kind of gardener. Yeah, but it is literally like set square. And, yeah. You, know, you can see stuff troubles him. He looks out of his patio door. You can see something's not, you know. And, it's, <laughs> yeah. and when you're in that fight with nature, I'm telling you, the rest of his life, he's going to be fuming. <laughs> yeah. The uh, Also for good, uh, the Leinster match report on the exact opposite end of what you just played that clip. <laughs> Lenter's own match report doesn't mention anything Monster did, anything, until the final line, right? They don't mention the Tide Burn try, nothing, until the final line, which says, with two minutes left, Crowley scored a decisive drop goal. Leinster were unable to get the ball back, and Munster won. <laughs> which is so pointed and sharp. Just short to the point. Yes. They don't want to credit them at all. The, they make a passing mention to the winning drop goal, and that is all the yes. credit the opposition are getting. Just, just a, a you know a, a frustrating inconvenience that I will only mention in passing is that we yes. lost the game yes. <laughs> to the team that won the game, which was Monster. Thank you. Uh, also, the Marika Corombete, uh, the Japanese semi-finals as well this weekend. Corombete uh, mm. scored three tries and four touches and won the game for the which. Hey, useful player to have on your side. Yes. But he's a... I love Corribay, I see. He's a yeah. guy you like watching, isn't he? He's just a joy. He's just yeah. a delight. Alex Thompson gets in touch. He says, good is this is a standing standing order. Uh, Kevin Sinfield. Mm. Uh, I mm. challenge anyone to watch that clip of him and Rob Burrow crossing the finish line at the Leeds Marathon this was and not shed a tear. Have, have you seen it, Robbie? Yes. Yeah. And it, those who haven't seen it, he's, he ran the entire marathon pushing Rob Burrow, Kevin Sinfield, because of course he did. And then uh, he then stopped, you know, 10 yards before the line to lift him out of his chair and carry him over the line with him. And when he lifted him out of his chair, he leant down and kissed him on the cheek. And I cried like a tiny baby. That's wonderful. It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, and you know what? It's a wonderful example of, of male friendship, actually, and yeah. support. Um, and in a way, part of you wishes they could have shown a bit more of that before somebody got ill, but it doesn't fucking matter. The point mm. is, is that there's a lot of talk where you can't, you know, men can't be friends anymore, and you can't. Well, actually, no. There's an example of how you can be with somebody you love dearly, etc., mm. um, etc. Et Another point on Kevin Sinfield for good. Uh, mm. He also said this week he was asked about his kind of defensive, whatever, like systems, etc. Uh, mm. And he said that he mod- Leicester's defence was modelled on Saddleworth Rangers under 15s from Rugby League. Fantastic. Which is a great line and a great system. And I believe their influence will only grow in Rugby <laughs> Union. All of their players will be put, picked up as defence coaches inside a year. See, that just sounds like trolling to me. But I think Kevin, Sinfield, he doesn't seem like a humorless person, but he's not a person who generates a lot of humour, if you know what I mean. Yes. So yeah. I, I don't imagine that he is trolling, but yeah. Remind you, though, they do say that things are cyclical, don't they? Mm. And something resembling the drift defence is starting to make itself known again, from yeah, what I can yeah, see. Yeah, yeah, like You'll know more than me. Catch-up defence, they're calling it, because they have to yeah. give everything a fancier name. You have to get a different name, yeah. Like chop-tackle. Do you mean a tackle? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yes, 
Uh, Graham Kerstveld oh, gets in touch and he says, good is George Ford proving sentiment is bullshit. Mm. Matt Merritt gets in touch and says, good is a genuine sense of excitement around the signings of the Premier 15s as Leinster and, Leicester sorry, and Ealing build their teams. Yep. Alex McKee says, good is the absolute wrecking ball size stones on Jack Crowley. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Hard to deny. Collected at 12 as well. Mm. Penny for Joey Carberry's thoughts this weekend. Mm. The upper JC. Yeah, quite. Patricia Vieira gets in touch. <laughs> oh, Patricia. What a few weeks it's been for you. And says, good simply is drop goals. Yes. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I hope you still agree next week. <laughs> Might just seem for them to try and kick a drop goal. Christ. Um Rianne Lowe gets in touch as good as hearing through the grapevine that groups of Munster fans are crowdfunding each other to go to Cape Town. We might have some oh. red in the crowd. Yes, and then there's there's been a news, just news just literally out about that all there's a possibility they could be getting scammed. But oh, was, no. But I, I haven't read it, but that's only the headline I've seen. Oh, jeez. Okay. Last couple then. Ashling Nadool gets in touch and says, uh, good is Rory Scannell, uh, mm. Mr. You're So Club himself, coming on and playing an absolute blinder for Munster on Saturday. Absolutely. Mm. And finally, Mike Swinton says, good was my trip to watch the Army versus the Navy at Twickenham. Ah. Yeah. He said, shit, though, was the rest of the week because uh, I have work and a mate's funeral. Oh, shit, Mike, sorry about that. I hope that went as well as these things can go. And uh, that will be us, mm. unless you have anything else, Robbie, that you wish to share at this time. That is me. That is me. I will stop before I talk about George Ford for another six hours. Thank you very much, Robbie, for stepping in. Thank you, because it always you know you got to give a fair chunk of your time to be in this podcast. So I do, I do, I do respect that. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Thank you Robbie, and we'll speak to you all. Well, I'm sure maybe Josh will be back next week. I don't. Know. <laughs> I don't I'm sure he's going to get a PA soon to try and run his life because I, I can't follow, <laughs> keep up with him. And I'll speak to you all soon. Ta-da, bye. Cheers. See it. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.